include all the other musical talent that's sitting here. We could have about six worship teams if we used everybody, but with one service and stuff, you know, it's kind of impossible. But the Lord's going to work that out. We've been praying a lot about what to do about that, but um, amen. Well, um, <laughs> if you're new here this morning, this is not a place of predictability. <laughs> I hate to tell you that if you're looking for a real uh, place that you can count on certain things happening just this way. Uh, not only do we not have an order of service printed in a bulletin, we're not exactly sure when we walk in what the order of service is always going to be every week. But that's okay. That's kind of how we like it. And the Lord just does cool things um, through that, I think. So uh, that's pretty interesting. Um, for example, Byron wasn't exactly planning on doing the announcements this morning, but, uh, you know, he did them anyway, and uh, <laughs> you kind of see why he doesn't like to do them, because we got them all messed up and stuff. <laughs> no, go ahead, we'll just try to get them right for you before you do them the next time. Um, I did want to, man, this was just awesome yesterday. We had probably... I'm going to try to estimate between 200 and 250 teenagers at uh, the Mill Village, Mill Hill neighborhood over there, the former neighborhood of our church, you know, before we moved here, where our church was located. 200 to 250 teenagers spread out at 50 different houses in that neighborhood and just served people and did work. There's probably, you know, another 50 or so um, adults to oversee and volunteer. I mean, it was incredible. Um, like, for example, Scott Forsyth and his brother-in-law, they were overseeing one project at his house, and I went by there, and uh, a couple people were cleaning out the flower beds and, and re-mulching those, and somebody, a couple other kids were in the back uh, painting a deck, and somebody else was mowing the grass. And I mean, by the time, you know, two, three hours, I mean, the yard and everything was just transformed, and the people were so blessed. And uh, if you remember, if you were in the church back then, the house directly across the street from that church is that house that I'm talking about. And it was awesome. Um, Marlon and Amber oversaw a project. Uh, Rachel Stevenson was working there. And I can't remember a couple other kids. And, well, actually, we had a bunch of people over there. You all right? Okay. Um, they were overseeing this project um, on Main Street where... I mean, this, they had this huge flower bed and it was just all weeds and stuff. They just put massive amount of people in this one flower bed and just pulled all the weeds up. And then Brawley Seed Company donated just tons of truckloads of mulch. And we just mulched the whole thing. I bought some flowers. We put flowers out. And the people weren't there when we were doing it. I mean, we had permission and everything to do it. But they weren't there, but they came home. Great Christian, older couple. We go to Liberty Baptist Church. They came home and they were like, Oh, this is awesome. They were so excited, you know. I just wanted to get my megahorn out and say, Driver, move that bus, you know. And, yeah, but uh, it, was, it was really like that. Like, wasn't that true, Marlon? They were really excited, man. It was just so neat. And then they, um, they had some health problems. So we had about probably 10 or 12 teenagers there. We just gathered around and prayed for them and just blessed them. It was just an awesome experience. And then once we had finished our projects we were overseeing, we went and to another street and helped uh, these people paint an entire house, the whole outside of the house. They had spent the morning scraping and power washing, and then we just put like 30 teenagers on it, and before you knew it, we had pretty much the whole house painted, at least the first coat. So 
It was just, I just wanted to give that report. We call it the Extreme Community Makeover. And uh, it was definitely a success, exceeded my expectations. And uh, I really look forward to things to come. Yeah, there was, there was, like I said, probably 12 or 14 churches, which includes like St. Mark's Lutheran, um, uh, uh, Williamson Chapel United Methodist Church, Peninsula Baptist, First Baptist, um, Berea Baptist, um, the Four Square Living Waters, First Assembly, um, us. Um, there, there's a bunch of other churches involved. It's just, you know, it's remarkable. It's really remarkable. And uh, like I mentioned a few weeks ago, in the fall, we're planning on doing some major evangelistic events at the three area high schools. We're actually believing God to get in there and uh, be able to minister to students where they're at every day on their campus. So I'm just so excited about that because when Christians unite, you know, the Spirit of God can really do some cool stuff. So uh, please be praying for that. Again, our network, we're calling the South Iredale Youth Ministry Network. And uh, Daniel Dye over at Peninsula Baptist, he's the youth pastor over there. He's kind of our chairperson, just kind of heading that up and um, doing a great job. So I want to say thank you to all you adults and students that were out there yesterday. Thanks for coming out and being a part. So, um, well, everybody stand up just for a second and... I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, The grace of God applies to you. Grace of God applies to you. So I just wanted to pray, and just uh, if you just join with me, Lord, we just thank you for your grace. We thank you that it's, for, it's sufficient for every need, God, every problem, every situation. And Lord, we just ask you, Lord, to reveal it to us, Lord, in a greater measure, Lord, than maybe ever before, that the power of God would be made manifest through it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm not going to take a lot of time, famous last words of a preacher, but I just wanted to take a few minutes to kind of wrap up some thoughts that I, that I had begun last week about this life of grace um, that I was talking about. And uh, I just, there was a, just a last part of this message. So this is kind of part two of the life of grace. Are you living it? Okay, and um, I'm just going to briefly summarize the things I said last week, and then uh, just share the last little bit of that. Before I do that, um, well, I guess as we're getting started, if you just turn in your Bible with me to Romans chapter 6. I know me and Andy are kind of double teaming you with some messages this morning, so I uh, hope you guys got grace for that. Um, which, by the way, I think... This, this thought came to me, Andy, when you were saying, you know, about the struggle of the worship leaders and stuff is, what Andy is saying and asking you guys is, is for grace for them. We have an opportunity to demonstrate grace towards the person who is struggling to kind of lead worship um, on Sunday. 
And uh, I think, to me, what comes to mind in, in kind of giving that grace is holding, withdrawing criticism. You know, being too quick to judge. Well, I can't believe they're not doing this way or they're doing or it's too loud. Or it's too, you know, these things is if we can just pray for one another. And just like Andy said, all come in here as a family and worship together. You know, that's what I think the Lord, that's what really pleases the Lord's heart in doing that. So, and I think that happens most of the time. So that's an awesome thing. Um, the life of grace, just real quick. I just want, I'm not going to go through all these scriptures, but... Um, Again, a couple of years ago, Byron had asked us to commit to being a church that lives in grace, um, that we, we'd be a revolutionary church because the, the gospel that Paul preached was a revolutionary gospel. Um, so last week, I just challenged you at the bottom this morning that, you know, are you living in grace? Are we as a church living in grace? Uh, will we encourage others to live by grace? Uh, kind of let's take a grace check, if you will. And uh, <clears throat> I was just mentioning last week how if we're going to truly minister to the downcast, to the hurting, okay, to those who would even be the most difficult people in society to minister to, and one of the exam a testimony I used last week was I read a testimony of a man named Tom who had been a homosexual, and he came to Christ. Um, through grace that was extended to him by a friend who had also come out of homosexuality to Christ. And, um, and so the point that I was making last week was that if we're going to be able to reach the homosexual, if we're going to be able to reach the alcoholic or the drug addict or whoever, you know, whoever you would think of as the worst sinner or whatever, if that exists, if we're going to be able to reach them, the only way is that we can reach them with grace that the grace of Christ be unto you. And the only way that you're going to be able to extend grace to them is if you've had grace extended to you. When you've received grace, then you can give grace. Not only when you've received it, but when you're also actively walking in it. That's when we can extend grace to others. Okay, so, so we can extend grace to Andy and anybody else in the church for that matter, and we can extend grace to the person who comes in off the street and say, this is what the gospel is. Now, you know, just your basic textbook definition of grace is undeserved favor. Undeserved. Completely undeserved. I was thinking of like a synonym for favor. Undeserved blessings. Some that say, you've done nothing, but regardless of that, despite that, God gives you everything. I mean, that's grace, you know? And so the gospel of grace is that you've done nothing, so therefore God did it all and gave it to you, being eternal life, being the ability to overcome sin, right? So that's just kind of a summary of those things. And so I used a scripture from Ezekiel last week. <laughs> Bye, guys. They just needed some shoes. <laughs> Judah, you gotta love him. <laughs> uh, where was I? <clears throat> oh yeah, grace be unto me. Um, so I just went through these seven lessons of the gospel of grace, and I was going just going through the book of Galatians, which I really encourage you to study as in depth as you can. Um, it's an awesome book. 
But uh, the first one was that, you know, any other gospel other than grace is a perverted gospel. That's what he said in Galatians 1. Uh, number two, Paul's revelation of grace came directly from God, not by talking with other Christians. That's how it's got to be for, for you. You've got to get it from God. It can't come from me or anybody else. Um, three, you're, you know, Christianity 101, you're not made righteous by what you do, only by believing in and accepting Jesus' sacrifice. And uh, the second part of that is that if you could earn salvation by doing good things, then Jesus died for nothing. You know, and uh, I didn't want to put my Lord through what he went through on the cross. Yeah, I don't want that to be in vain. I don't know about you. Okay, that, he mentioned that in Galatians 2. Okay, and then uh, the fifth one was that you're not only saved by grace through faith, but you're also sanctified, i.e., you know, made holy, set apart from sin unto God, made to be a good Christian uh, by grace through faith. And that's Christianity 102 that I mentioned that most Christians know, but they don't necessarily walk in or they don't have the revelation of. Okay? Um, and he talks about that in Galatians 3. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on all that right now because I preached it last week. You can listen to it on the website, riverlifefellowship.com, if, if you weren't here, by the way. Um, number six, some of us accept the gospel of grace, but then add a bunch of rules to follow in order to live or walk out the Christian life. And Paul scolded the Galatians for doing this. And that's in Galatians 4, 8 through 11. You can read about that. And then the last one that I thought was really cool is just like Jesus' purpose statement that he came to serve, not to be served, that the entire purpose of the gospel of grace is so that you can love and serve someone else. Isn't that awesome? Okay, we're back on now. Uh, <laughs> um, you know... The entire purpose is that you've received grace, therefore you can give it. And uh, he mentions this in Galatians, Paul mentions it in Galatians 5. Um, so, so, the thing that I just wanted to share this morning is, um, what is, what's not the gospel of grace? Okay, if those are seven things that are the gospel of grace, how do people kind of distort the gospel of grace? Like I said, Paul's gospel was very controversial, and it's still controversial in the church today. People are very uncomfortable with this message. They say, well, if you tell people that they don't really have to do anything to please God, then they're just going to go out and just take that as a license to do whatever they want to do, you know, to sin or whatever. Okay, but what I just want to point out this morning is that that's not the gospel of grace at all. And if you look at Romans 6, this isn't up on the screen, but if you look at Romans 6, verse, oh, let's start in 13. Romans 6, 13. And he says, And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. So, by the way, just as a side note, the way that you overcome sin is by being under grace, not by being under the law. That's what he's saying here. So, look in verse 15, though. He says, What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? Certainly not. 
Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you, also, whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? So Paul then just addresses this topic specifically. I would imagine that people were saying to him, so, you know, you're preaching grace, so should we just sin then so that grace can abound? He's like, absolutely not. That would be foolishness. And then in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 and 13, he says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. And then skipping down to verse 13, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And then over in Titus, this is particularly um, addresses the point straightforward. Titus 2.11, Paul also wrote this. He said, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And this is what it teaches us. Teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for Himself His own special people, zealous for good works. So Paul's not saying, you know, don't do good works, don't try to be holy or anything like that. He's not saying that. To the contrary, he's saying, be holy but let Christ make you holy. Let Him be holy in you. Don't try to do it on your own. Don't try to live soberly and godly and be all this self-righteous Christian. Don't do that, for that's, that's just coming under the law. But let the grace of God rule your hearts so that you can live soberly and righteously and not give opportunity for sin in your life to dominate you. Amen? Okay, number two. Grace is not permission to stop doing all things that promote growth in your Christian walk or that benefit others. Again, grace is not permission to just stop doing things. Um, I think, you know, I heard people say a few years back when Byron was talking about grace is that, you know, there's... I heard some people kind of have this attitude of, well, I don't really, you know, I don't need to really pray that much anymore or I don't have to serve in this capacity because grace of God is extended to me. Well, that may be true if you're just doing it in and of yourself. But look at what Paul says here. He says, don't be misled. This is Galatians 6. Again, we're just going through the book of Galatians. Remember that you can't ignore God and get away with it. This is a living translation, by the way. You will always reap what you sow. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful desires will harvest the consequences of decay and death. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Now, so don't get tired of doing what's good. Don't get discouraged and give up. For we will reap a harvest of blessing at the appropriate time. Whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially 
to our Christian brothers and sisters. So let me just encourage you this morning. If you're feeling weary in your ministry, okay, whatever that may be, your ministry in the church, your ministry in the community, your ministry on your job, whatever, let me just encourage you. Don't give up. Don't give up. For the Bible promises us that at the proper time, you're going to reap a harvest. So don't give up. But do give up doing it yourself. Okay, maybe that's what God's trying to show you this morning. I don't know. Is that, you know what? I don't want you to do that anymore. I'm going to do it through you. So just stop doing it and let me do it, and it'll come out a lot better. Okay, I think that's what Paul is is trying to get across here. So those are the two main points that, uh, you know, I just wanted to make this morning. Again, um, freedom in Christ is not permission to sin. True freedom is freedom from sin, not a freedom to sin. Okay? And number two, grace is not permission to stop doing all the things that promote growth. Okay? It just says that Christ can do them instead of you. Okay, so lastly, how do we live by grace anyway? I just got two things here. Okay? That again, he says in Galatians at the end. Number one, be filled with and live by the Holy Spirit in you. By the faith of God faith of God. Not faith just in God. Oh, I believe in God. The faith of God to be imparted into you. So I advise you to live according to your new life in the Holy Spirit. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The old sinful nature loves to do evil, which is just opposite from what the Holy Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite from what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other and your choices are never free from this conflict. But when you are directed by the Holy Spirit, you are no longer subject to the law. Isn't that good? I love the way the Living Translation says it there. I think it reads so well. And you remember last week that verse from Ezekiel 36 about how God will remove the heart of stone and replace it with the heart of flesh and He'll write His laws on the heart so that you'll find joy in keeping His laws. That's what He's saying right here, Galatians 5. It's the same thing. It's what He's saying. I just think that's so awesome. So that's number one, okay? Be filled with and live by the Holy Spirit. We can always be reminded of that each day. And number two, I think this is really key. And maybe we tend to overlook this a little too much, but by helping and being helped to live in the Spirit by each other, by other Christians. we got to have each other, guys. That's just the truth. Okay, and he, he addresses this. Dear brothers and sisters, if another Christian is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's troubles and problems. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone in need, you're only fooling yourself. You're really a nobody. (laughs) So it says, you who are godly. So I don't think Paul's saying, Andy... Brother, I'm godly. Man, let me just show you the way. <laughs> you know, That's not because he says, if you think you're like that, then you're really nobody. So, is that we can gently and humbly come beside each other and say, you know what? 
I've been through what you're going through right now. I know the way that I got through it was by the grace of God in my life. Let me help you. Let me show you. Let me teach you what it takes, you know, what God's shown me, the revelation that I've gotten from Him on this. Amen. So let me just encourage us. Let's do that with one another. When we see somebody that's out there saying, well, man, you know, I can, you know, I can get drunk or whatever because you know, the grace of God applies to me and God will still love me and all this. You know, you can come along next to them and say, Andy read the verse this morning that says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can come along and say, listen, man, grace of God does apply to you, but let me just share with you, you know, what I've experienced or, you know, why that's not really what God's trying to say and why that can be harmful to your life. You know, that's just an example. There's a billion other things, you know, that we could apply and use as an example. So the challenge... Okay, I told you it was going to be short. 15-minute message. That was great. <laughs> well, I, I shouldn't get too uh, prideful here. I'm not quite done yet. But <laughs> the challenge is maybe you had a, a real revelation of the grace of God, you know, two and a half years ago when, when Byron was preaching about grace for four months. And so if you did, I just want to remind you, are you still walking? in that mode of grace. Does it still apply to your life? Like I said last week, don't let the garbage and the lies that the enemy tries to put in your head about you're not spiritual enough, you've only read the Bible once this week, you know, you don't ever pray, you know, I can't believe you don't love Matt Stewart. I mean, you know, all those things, those incredibly difficult things. You know, don't... <laughs> just kidding. I love Matt, and he's a great guy. You know, don't let the enemy condemn you and think that you're somehow less of a Christian than anybody else in this room. Because it's a complete lie. He uses that all the time. I guarantee you probably just about every week there's somebody that walks in this door that the enemy takes them out of this building believing that lie. Well, you couldn't go to that church. You know, I mean, look how spiritual people are there. Whatever. I mean, that's a lie. So don't believe that. And secondly, is our church living in grace? You know, when someone bound in homosexuality walks in here, like I said last week, are we going to read them five verses that they've probably heard a million times about why homosexuality is a sin? Or are we going to say, welcome brother, welcome sister into this church. The grace of God applies to you. Let me introduce you to Jesus. Let me tell you about how He's changed my life and how He can bless you as well and, and free you from any bondages that you have. Let me walk with you. Let me help you the best that I know how, even though I may not understand you. Are we going to do that? You know, Tom said in his testimony that he came to this church and they had in an inconspicuous place, or maybe it was a conspicuous place, this sign that said, you're safe here. You know, will we be a church where the sign will read, maybe not literally, but, you know, um, figuratively that you're safe here. This is a place of safety. This is a place of healing. That's what God's called this church to be is a hospital, okay, a spiritual hospital for people to come and be healed. So if you're here this morning, you need to be healed. God's got you in this place for a reason. He wants to touch you emotionally and heal the things that are hurting you. He wants to touch you physically and heal your body. We believe in that. And finally, we will continue. Will we continue 
to encourage others to be saved by grace through faith and to live by grace through faith in Jesus. We're not going to say, okay, come on in. Great, you prayed the sinner's prayer. Now, here's what you need to do. You know, yes, we're going to disciple people, and we believe in that. And, you know, I hope you're not misunderstanding what I'm saying. Okay, but let me ask you this question. When you met your husband or your wife, did somebody have to come up to you and say, all right, now you've met the person, the man or woman of your dreams. Now let me tell you how to get to know them. No, it just came naturally. You wanted to get to know them. You know, you wanted to know every desire that they had in their heart. You wanted to know everything that they were thinking. You know, it was this passion that was put in you. And it's the same thing with Jesus. When, and you, everybody knows this because uh, most people have experienced this in this room this morning. Is that when Jesus came into your heart, man, it was like no other thing that's ever happened to you. And you wanted to read the Bible. He came alive, you know. <laughs> She's smiling over there from ear to ear, Jessica, because she knows what I'm talking about. You wanted to pray, you know. You wanted to communicate with your father. You wanted, you wanted to do all. You wanted to love other people, you know. All these things. So that's the grace of God, Amen. That's the grace of God. Um, Byron, did you want to add anything? I'm just going to pray and close this morning. Well, Lord, we just thank you for your grace. We thank you that it's sufficient, God. Your Bible says it's sufficient, Lord. And um, I just want to pray this morning right now for, for the weak person in here, God. The weak person, Lord, that can't seem to overcome. God, that, that's just really struggling maybe with depression and just maybe insecurity, God. Lord, I say this morning that your grace is sufficient for them. Your grace is sufficient for them, Lord, for you're made perfect in their weakness. And God, I just pray that right now you would reach down, you would wrap your arms around them this morning, God. Lord, and you would just whisper in their ear that it's okay. Stop. Just stop. Stop struggling. Stop trying to be good. My grace is sufficient. Lord, I just ask you to do that right now and just prick that person's heart and heal them this morning, God. Give them the new path to travel and to walk down, Lord. We just thank you, Father. Just thank you, Jesus. If that's you here this morning, just as we're bowing our heads and praying, if that's you, I just ask you to raise your hand. If you'd just like for us to keep you in prayer. I'm not going to embarrass you this morning. I'd just like to be able to pray for you by name. Okay, thanks. Anybody else? All right, guys. Cool. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, Lord. So, Lord, then as we close and wrap this up, God, just want to make a commitment, Lord, as a church, um, as one of the pastors in this church, Lord, I think it's safe to commit us, Lord, to be a church that walks in grace. Lord, 
We want to be a safe haven for the hurting, Lord, for the bound. God, and I just pray, Lord, that as, as people walk in the, through these doors, Lord, that they would find the peace of God, that they would find the power of God who would be made manifest in their lives. And Lord, I just pray that You would destroy every, um, every thought, every thing that would come up against the power of Christ in this place, Lord God. Lord, and if we've ever put things on people that we shouldn't have, we just ask You to forgive us, Lord God. And Lord, we just ask for Your grace to rule and reign in this place, Lord. Lord, I pray that the homosexual, Lord, would come to You in this place. God, I pray that, that Lord, that every imaginable bondage that could bind somebody up, Lord, that that it would come into this church and be de- people would be delivered from it, Lord God. We just ask, I know that's a scary thing to ask for, Lord, but I just ask you for that, Lord. Lord, we pray for revival, Lord. If we really want revival, God, that's what it's got to be, Lord. Well, we will embrace them, Lord God. We will love them, Lord God. We will minister to them, God. I just feel like if we can commit to that, Byron, as a church, if, if you want to just join with me and commit that to the Lord, let's just stand up together. If that's you, say, I want this church to be a church that walks in grace. I want it to be a place of love. I want the love of Christ, which is the power, to be in this place. Lord, we just stand here this morning. Just make that commitment to you. Just commit ourselves, Lord. Commit our lives, Lord, to be a living sacrifice. Commit our lives to be worshipped to You, Lord. And God, as we've been extended grace into our lives, Lord, Lord, let us extend it to others as well, God. Let us see people from Your perspective, Lord God. Give us hearts of compassion for the lost, Lord the way that you see the lost, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So we can just stand here for a few minutes and just let's just let the Lord sink that into our hearts. Just sink that just into the very core of this church. Just do that, 